Okay, good morning. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas, Avram ben Peretz, Yehudis Bashmul, and Ruvain ben Leib Idol. May their memory be a blessing. And today's daf is daf Tzadi Zayin. We're going to go from the fifth last line of Tzadi Vov Amud Beis, 96b. So remember, yesterday we just mentioned that there are three different opinions of what the Mekoshesh did. Basically, the Mekoshesh was somewhere, um, he did some negative commandment, uh, something also on Shabbos, some Melacha, and uh, yeah, the whole story that's brought in Chumash, and he, and then Moshe Rabbeinu, this was while the Jews were still in the desert, and Moshe Rabbeinu took them, wasn't sure what to do, but then they realized they took him out and they put him to death, like the punishment for Breaking uh, for doing one of the thirty-nine malachas on Shabbos. So the Gemara, so Tonura Bonan Makoshesh at Slavchad, the Makoshesh is Slavchad. V'chein Oimer and somebody it says Ve'yu Bnei Yisrael b'Midbar v'Yotzeo Ish Bnei Yisrael were in the desert and they took um, a man took out v'Yimtzuush and they found a man. V'lahalanu Oimer and then it says Ovinu Meis b'Midbar our father died in the desert. Malahalan Slavchad Afkan Slavchad just as over there it's Slavchad so to hear it's Slavchad. Tiver Rabbi Akiva that's Rabbi Akiva's opinion. So it's Slavchad. Remember the story of inheritance was through through the Benos Slavchad they came and they said our fathers died in the desert. We want to inherit his land, and it was a whole question: How does the distribution of inheritance work? And do daughters actually inherit? Um, but those were the daughters of Slavchot. So Rabbi Akiva says, this person who was put to death for breaking Shabbos was actually Slavchot. So Omar loy Rabbi Yudah ben Beseira, Rabbi Yudah ben Beseira said to him, Akiva, ben kachu ben kach ato litein esadim. You're going to be held accountable. You're going to be punished for making this drosha, for telling us that it's Slavchot. In Kedvorech, or if it's true as you say that the Mekoshesh, the one who broke Shabbos, was Slavchot, then the Torah covers up and you come and reveal it. And the Torah doesn't tell us who who the Mekoshesh was. And you, Rabbi Akiva, are going to come and tell us who the Mekoshesh is. That's, I guess, uh, what, what we call it, Lashon Hara. That's uh, unnecessary, or defamation. It's unnecessary defamation of his character that you're doing, and therefore you're going to be held accountable. V'im love. And if it wasn't Slavchot, Atom Oitzi Laz, you're speaking badly about a tzaddik. V'el ha-goma gezeira shava. Rabbi Akiva will say, but no, it was gezeira shava. If it's gezeira shava, then I can't be held accountable for it. It's... um. Uh, sorry, Rabbi Akiva learned Tegzeir Shava. Now Rashi points out quite amazingly, he says, by the fact that it's Tegzeir Shava, that there are these two words connecting the Mekoshesh Eitzim to say, just to catch up, we're right at the top of Tarizayin Amud Aleph, um, but the Mekoshesh Eitzim, Rabbi Akiva came along and said, it's Slavchod, and Rabbi uh, Yehuda ben Masayi said to him, Akiva, you're going to be held accountable. If it is Slavchod, well, the Torah kept it secret and you come and reveal it. So now the Gemara says, Oh, but it's Xayra Shava. If it's Xayra Shava, it's as good as if, this is Rashi, he says, Umashni Rabbi Yehuda, um, If it's Xayra Shava, it's as if it's written explicitly. 
It's amazing because we always see Gezeri Shavas as these far-fetched, uh, difficult joshes, you know, connecting two words, comparing two different paragraphs to learn something from one to the other. The, but Rabbi Akiva, they're basically learning that. If it's Gezeri Shavas, it's as if it's written explicitly. So therefore, Rabbi, that's what Rabbi Akiva will justify his thing by saying, no, it's written explicitly. I didn't, I'm not uh, doing, I'm not defaming his character. Um, yeah. And then, uh, but what about Rabbi Yudah ben Gezeira Shava loy gomar. He didn't learn that Gezeira Shava. Um, what does it mean? All Gezeira Shavas, the words have to be a tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai. So Rabbi Akiva said, well, my Rabbi told me that there's a Gezeira Shava between the words. I think it's the Midbar, the Midbar, but it's, there's a Gezeira Shava. Rabbi Yudah ben Messiah says, well, I never ever learned those words. So Tosfos asked very interestingly, he says, um, well, if Rabbi Akiva had the tradition that you make Xayra Shava, and Rabbi Yudah ben Becerra says, well, no one taught it to me, so I can't learn it, why doesn't he just say, okay, I'll go with your tradition, Rabbi Akiva? Why is he so against what Rabbi Akiva said and not at all reliant on Rabbi Akiva's Xayra Shava? So Tosfos say, um, because maybe they had a, maybe they had a tradition exactly how many Xayra Shavas there were in the Torah. For whatever the number is, a uh, hundred. So this was Rabbi Akiva's, this was Rabbi Akiva's a hundred Rasha. And if Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra learned this as a Xayra Shava, it would come out that there are a hundred and one. So therefore Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra says this cannot be a Xayra Shava, whereas Rabbi Akiva had a tradition that this was a Xayra Shava. Okay. Um, just interestingly, a lot of people, a lot of commentaries point out is that, but it says that our fa- by the Benos Slavchad, it says, but our father died for his sin. So what sin did he do? What was good? Um, um, so if you want to come along and say that, fine, he died for his sin, he was Makoshesh Aitzim. But why we, why does Rabbi Yehuda, why does Rabbi Yehuda ben Messiah say, but you're speaking lies against that tzaddik? So I think that's an important point that, yeah, if he broke Shabbos, that's pretty severe. That's one of the most severe surim in the Torah. But if he did another Aveira, whatever other Aveiras are suggested, some even want to say that it wasn't really an Aveira, um, then, uh, um, but as long as it wasn't Shabbos, everyone sins. All people do Aveiras. And he could still be a Tzadik even though he did an Aveira. Okay. Carrying on, says, We find a similar type of machloikes to Noim. It says, Hashem was very angry with them and he went. Um, this is against Aaron and Miriam. Last, uh, this week's parsha, Aaron and Miriam spoke Lashon Hora about um, Moshe and Hashem was very angry against them. Says Malamich Af Aaron Nitzara that teaches us that even Aaron got Saras. If you read the Psukim, it's only clear that Miriam got it. Tivre Rabbi Kiva, that's Rabbi Kiva's opinion. Omaloi Rabbi Yehuda ben Besaira Kiva, Ben Kachu Ben Kacha, To Otid Litein Esadim. Whether or not Aaron had Saras, you're going to be held accountable. Im Kidvarecha Tari Kistuvatu Magale. If it's true, as you said, that Aaron did get Saras, well, the Torah hid it from everyone. The Torah doesn't say it. And now you come in long and telling everyone that Aaron had Saras. That's, uh, Character defamation. Um, and if not, you 
you're speaking you're speaking you might see Shamra against that Tzadik you're saying he got Saras when he didn't really so the Gemara asks but it says Hashem was angry with them Aaron and Miriam so it makes sense what Rabbi Akiva is saying that's just with rebuke he rebuked Aaron and he rebuked Miriam but regarding Tzaraz only Miriam it's no, no clear no clear it's not clear from the Psukim whether or not Aaron had. It says, Tanya commander Omar Af Aaron it started. There's actually a Brysa in line with this opinion. It's Rabbi Akiva who holds that Aaron did get Saras. Do you see that it's written by Yiten, by Yifen, Aaron, El Miriam, Vinayim, Saras. Aaron turned away from Miriam and she had Saras. Tana Sheponim Mitzaras. He recovered from his Saras, but Miriam still had hers. I, both Aaron and Miriam got Saras, just Aaron recovered quicker. Okay, um, continuing um, with these uh, with this theme that Rabbi Akiva was criticized by Rabbi Yehuda member Sarah for um, mentioning the sins of earlier generations that weren't already revealed. So Amar Eishlokish If someone suspects. I, um, but a more stronger language than suspects. But if someone uh, takes for granted that a kosher person, that a good person did something wrong, he gets or won't do what's right, he gets stricken with his body. They, well, what does it mean he gets stricken with his body? Where else do you get punished? So no, generally, um, generally a person's property is punished, punished for... Or Hashem judge, well, if, a, if Hashem needs to judge a person... He judges that they get punished through their property first and then only them. But if someone's choshed b'ksherim, they falsely suspect um, someone righteous or something of something wrong, then it goes straight to their body. We saw similar in Megillus Rus. We just had it very recently. It says, Gam Shnehem. Um, so what's the possible? I think it's Gam Shnehem Yomus or whatever. But it says, and also the, also the sons of Elimelech died. Why does it say also to say they lost their property and then they die? They, they die. Hashem gives people opportunities to do tshuva. It says, as it's written, where do we find that moish, that this concept of choshel b'ksharim? So it says, lo yaminuli. They won't believe me. Hashem sent Moshe to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim, and Moshe says they're not going to believe that you sent me. So he says, Yisrael. And Hashem knew that Bnei Yisrael would believe him. So Omar lo They believe as the son of believers. It says, but in the end, we're going to see that you don't believe. Hey, the ma'aminim. Where do we see that Bnei Israel were believers? You'll see, vayamayna am. The people believed. And it says, Bnei ma'aminim. Where do we know that they, the sons of believers, vahemin ba Hashem? It says that Avram believed in Hashem. Ato oimer ato. But in the end, you won't believe. You didn't believe in me. By where Rosh, Moshe, Hashem told Moshe to speak to the rock so that water comes out. And Moshe spoke to a rock and it had jumped away. So he's speaking to the wrong rock. And then he hit the rock. So Hashem said, you see, you didn't trust him. You didn't believe in me. So, now, so, that's, so there we see, um, well, there we see Moshe's uh, issues with Emunah. But he says, 
where do we see that Moshe's body got struck? Because remember, that's why we bring in this drosha to say that someone who doesn't believe in Hashem gets struck. So you see, as it's written, Vayomer Hashem lo od havano yodcho b'chaykecho. Take out your hand from your um, from your from from your cloak. I how Moshe proved that he was. Um, there to save an Israel is he put his hand in his cloak and he took it out and it had saras on it. He put it back and it got healed. But we see that that's he got struck in his body for accusing B'nai Israel, for suspecting of B'nai Israel that they won't believe in Hashem. Rava says, some said it was Rabbi Yosef that the good Midah of Hashem comes quicker than his punishment. It says, Because regarding Hashem's punishment, it's written, When he took it out, his hand was covered in Sarah, was white, was like snow, in Sarah. But regarding his good measure, He just removed it from his from his stomach, It had returned. The Shava Kabisra, as soon as he took it away from his stomach, it it recovered. I I think it's saying like this. He put his hand in his jacket, and only once his hand was completely out did it become full of Torahs. But when he put it back to recover, as soon as he moved it a little bit away from his stomach, even though it wasn't out yet, it had recovered. So we see Hashem brings healing, he heals quicker than he punishes. The one um, the one answer which really only deals with the first half is why does Hashem's good mirror come quicker than his bad mirror? Because his bad mirror only, Hashem gives people a lot of opportunity to do tshuva. And therefore the bad mirror takes longer to come. But the good mirror, there's no reason to delay it. And last point, It says that Aaron's staff, not too clear why this is brought here, but it says that Aaron's staff ate their staff. Remember when they went to the Mitzrim to Paro, the Aaron turned his staff into a snake, the Mitzrim turned their staffs into a snake, and then Aaron's staff ate. So he says it was a nice betoch nice. What's the nice betoch nice? So Rashi here says, there are lots of different explanations, but Rashi here says, the miracle was his staff had already turned back into a staff, and it ate the others, their staffs, the Mitzri staffs. So that was a miracle that a stick ate other sticks. Okay, and there are a few other explanations, but let's go on. Now, we mentioned in the Mishnah, if someone throws from a Rishus HaYochid to another Rishus HaYochid via Rishus HaRabim, so you're standing on one side of the street, you're standing in your garden on one side of the street, and you throw it across the road into another Rishus HaYochid. What are they arguing in? Are they arguing where you're throwing it less... Well, before we go and remember that... The, Public domain only reaches up to ten fochim. Above ten fochim is not considered in the public domain anymore. So he says, so maybe the machlokes is specifically under ten fochim. The ma'asova amrin and kluta kemisha hun chadami or ma'asova lo amrin and kluta kemisha hun chadami. The one opinion holds we do say kluta as if it's put down, and the other opinion says we don't hold for that principle. What is that kluta? So kluta basically means absorbed or swallowed in. And that means that as soon as it's in the airspace of a Rishus, it's as if, we view it as if it's been put down. So as soon as you throw this ball and it goes from your gate into the street, even though it's in the air, it's as if it's been put down, kluta. 
So do we hold for this principle of Kluto or not? Rabbi Akiva holds we do, and therefore you'll be chayv, and the Rabbanon holds you don't. Avala malama authority, I call potur. But if you threw it above tent for him, you threw it from your house into the house across the street, above tent for him high, then you'd be exempt. We don't learn throwing something from passing something. Remember yesterday we discussed it at mid more length, the special, uh, the special dimension, the special told of carrying, passing something from a Rishus HaYochid to another Rishus HaYochid via Rishus Rami, but passing it. That's how the, the Bnei Merori used to load up the wagons. And we learned about this yesterday. So that passing is, uh, is Osur Doraisa, it's a told of carrying. Does, what about throwing? So this, this is assumed maybe we don't learn throwing from passing. As we said, remember, it's very unique that you hire for passing something across a Rishus Arabim. A longer Rishus Rabbim, and we wouldn't learn throwing from it. Oidilmo, perhaps, Lamala Mausara Pligi, maybe they're actually arguing above Tent Fochim, I where he did throw this ball above Tent Fochim, but Vahal Pligi. The Marsov, Ariel Finanzarik, and Moshe, the one opinion holds we do learn Zarek from Moshe. Umarsov, Arloyafnin, and Zarek, and Moshe, and the other opinion holds we don't learn Zarek, and Moshe. Again, so the Machloikes is not about Kluta, the Machloikes is about if you threw it above Tent Fochim, do we learn throwing something through a rish, from a Rishus HaYochit to a Rishus HaYochit via Rishus HaRabim from passing something from a Rishus HaYochit to a Rishus HaYochit via a Rishus HaRabim, which is Moishit, which you are higher for. Rabbi Kiva would hold you do, and the Rabbonin would hold we don't. But if it's less than Yudif, what up would be if you threw it less than 10 Fochim across the street? You'd be high. My time at Kluta Kluta is as if it's been put down. Okay, so that's Rabba. Rabba leaves it unresolved. Rabba says, I'm not sure what this Machloikas again. In our Mishnah, we said that if you throw something from Rishus HaYochit to Rishus HaYochit via a Rishus HaRabim, Rabbi Kiva said you chayv and the Rabbonin said you potter. So what are they arguing in? According to Rabba, are they arguing in this principle of Kluta? Do we say that as soon as it passes through the air of Rishus Arabim, it's as if it's been put down? Right, but then the Machloikes is only if it's below tent for him. Would everyone agree that you have for Kluta? And the Machloikes is if you throw it above tent for him. And the Machloikes is do we learn throwing from passing? Okay, Omar of Yosef, Homilfi, Boyle, Rav Chisdo, Pashto, Nehile, Rav Amnuna. Yosef says that, well, Rav Chista was actually asked, was asked this question, and Rav Hamnuna answered it. Mayhor, from the following b'risa, says, Meshus hayochid, lirshus hayochid, if someone throws something from Yishus hayochid to another, Rishus hayochid, v'oiver birshus harabim, atmo, and it passes through the actual Rishus harabim, Rabbi Akiva machayv, v'chachomim, Paturim, Rabbi Akiva says you chayv and the Chachomim say you potur. Midakaama bishus harabim atmo. From the fact the Brisa says if you threw it through the actual rishus harabim, it must be that they're arguing in under, where he threw it under ten tvochim. So what are they arguing? It says, Ilema b'mavir. If we're discussing carrying, lamatem asoru huda 
so 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 yeah so so where we're holding at the moment is that we came we had this price that said if you throw from Rishusayokit to Rishusayokit via the actual Rishusayokit must be when we say the actual Rishusayokit we must be speaking under 10th Vokim because above 10th Vokim is not really considered the Rishusayokit as we pointed out a few times above 10th Vokim is not really um, the Rishusayokit it's a Mokim Petur so we must be speaking about below ten fachim, and what? So what's the duke? Is the machloikes Rabbi Akiva and the Rabbonon is when you threw it below ten? Well, when it went below ten fachim, and now we're going to try establish what the case is. Says, well, my, what? How? Well, yeah, I've sorry, I've been translating it as if he threw it from Rishus Hayochid to Rishus Hayochid, but the price it just says he it went from Rishus Hayochid to Rishus Hayochid via the actual Rishus Harabim. So he says, Maybe it's discussing where someone carried it. I'm not through, thrown, but carried. And then it would be saying that if they threw it under 10, Rabbi Akiva is saying that if he threw it below 10, he would be chayev, but if he threw it above 10, he would not be chayev. But Rabbi Elozor said, if someone carries a burden higher than 10 fochim, like on their shoulder, he's liable. Because that's how B'nai Kahas used to carry. We learned it a few, uh, a few days ago. But remember, 10 fochim is a hand's breadth. So we just say about eight, 80 centimeters plus minus. Maybe bigger opinions double that, but not that high. Um, so an adult and the kahas used to carry the loads that they had to carry the iron, the iron etc. on their shoulders. So everything they carried was higher than ten fochim, and everyone agrees in that case that chayev. Um, so so it can't be we're discussing this that we said if someone carries something in the actual Rishus HaRabim Rabbi Akiva says Chayv and the Rabbonin say Potur implying that if they carried it above Tent Fochim they would be everyone would agree Potur because we know from Rabbi we know from Rabbi Elozo's teaching that you actually Chayv so Elolav B'Zoyreik Lamatam so it must be the case of Zoyreik but above 10, you would not be It's very clear that they are doing in whether we say Kluta is, do we say Kluta as if it's been put down or not. So again, so we started off with Rabbah who said he's not sure where Rabbi Akiva and Rabbonin are arguing. Are they arguing below 10? And then the Mahlokes is Kluta Kamisha Hun Khadami. Do we view it as soon as it enters the airspace of the Rishusha Rabbi? Under 10, it's as if it's put down. Or are they arguing in if you throw it above 10 Fochim? So you throw the ball high over the Rishus Rabim. And, and then the question is, do we learn throwing from passing something? Because passing something in that way would be Chayev. So maybe throwing is also. And now we just brought that Rav Amnuna said very clearly that they're arguing in below 10 Fochim. Upligi de Rebi Lozo, but this actually is arguing on Rebi Lozo. On the same price, to Omer Rebi Lozo, Rebi Akiva. Rabbi Kiva would hold you all liable if you throw something above 10 fochim. Oh, but it said, the Brysa said, if he throws it through the actual Rishus Harabim, seems to, Rabbi Kiva says, if you throw this ball 
through the actual Rishus HaRabim, you chayev, implying that if you throw it above the Rishus HaRabim, I higher than ten folk in your potter. There's no ladiach ha the to show you how far the Rabbonin go. The Rabbonin hold, the Rabbonin actually don't learn two things. They don't learn Zorech Mimoshet, so therefore if you throw it above, you'd be potter, and Rabbi Kibba would hold you chayev. And they also don't learn Kluta Kamishehun Chadami, that it's as if you've put it down. Okay. This teaching of Rabbi Lazar is actually arguing on Rabbi Chilkia Bartuvia. Dama Rabbi Chilkia Bartuvi. Bartuvi. If you throw something within three tvachim of the ground, everyone agrees you are liable. We'll see uh, shortly why. If you throw it above ten, everyone agrees you potter. Okay, this is unlike. Rebbe Elozor, who said above 10 is where they actually argue. And Megimel Va'adyud, Bonu Lamachloikesh, Rebbe Akiva Rabbonin. If it's thrown between a heart of 3 Tvochim and 10 Tvochim, that's the Machloikesh, Rebbe Akiva and the Rabbonin. And Tanya Namihach, we have a Brizer which teaches the same thing. If someone throws something within 3 Tvochim, everyone agrees you chayev. Lamalamiyud, Eino Elamishum Shfus. If someone throws something above ten tefachim, it's only a isut rabbonon. Shus means isut rabbonon. Vim hoyur shus shelo. If it's both his private domains, mutar it's mutar. If you own the two houses on opposite sides of the street, well then there would be no problem with throwing from your one house to your other house higher than ten tefachim. Um, and interestingly, they point out. If there's an Eruv Chatzairus, then you could even throw it from your house to your friend's house. But, let's carry on. Migimol va'ara soro, Rabbi Akiva Machai v'chachomim peturim. Migimol va'ara soro, from three tvochim to the height of ten tvochim, Rabbi Akiva says you chayv and the chachomim say you potter. And obviously, as we've seen, why would you be chayv according to Rabbi Akiva? Because he holds kluta kemishehuncha. As soon as it enters the airspace of the Rosh Hashanah, it's as if it's being put down. Now, what's the principle of three? So we're going to see more at the bottom of the page, but basically there's a, there's a general principle in the Torah, what's called lovud. Anytime something is within three, within three tvochim of, a, of another thing, it's as if they connected. So if something's thrown very low over the ground, it's as if it's put down. We're going to give another example. So to the sukkah walls. The sukkah wall is within three tvochim of the ground. It's as if it's connected to the ground. So that's the principle of Lovud. We'll discuss it more when we get to the bottom of the page. Um, so carrying on. Now, Omar Imheim Mutar. If they, his private properties, it's Mutar. If he throws it from his one house to his other house across the street, he said it's Mutar. This seems to be a rejection of Rav. The Itmar, we said, now this, so this is a Machloka Samaraim, Shnei Botim Bishnei Tzirei Rishus HaRabim. What happens if you have two houses on, across the Rishus HaRabim? Rabbe Barav Huna, Omar Rav Osel, Yisroik Mizelezeh. Rabbe Barav Huna says, you're not allowed to throw from one house, from your one house to your other. Ushmul Omar Mutal, Yisroik Mizelezeh. And Shmuel says, no, you are allowed to throw from one house to the other. So, and what would we just say? Rav says, if you throw from one house to the next, you, so we see Rav holds, you're not allowed to throw a cr- from your one house to your other house across the Rishush Harabim, whereas the Brisa clearly said, you are allowed to. That sounds like a rejection. Rav says, no, Lav mi ukim lahi to midli chad umetsi chad. No, the, the Machloike's Rav and Shmuel is where the 
bulk where you're trying to throw, are you like almost you're in like a flat, and they're at different levels. He says, there we're concerned, the zimnim nozzle, since you've got to try and get it to the right height. I want to throw from, I'm, st- I'm in this block of flats on the third floor, and I want to throw it into that block of flats and get it through the window of the second floor or to the bulk or the first floor. It's going to be as much more difficult to get that throw. And therefore, it might fall, and then I'm going to go downstairs, pick it off the street and carry it inside. Let's say, um, don't know why, I have these two houses on either side of Rosh Hashanah and I want to pass, uh, I have a khala, I want to have lunch in the one house, I want to throw the khala across the street. So I'm going to try throw it, I'm going to miss throw it and it's going to land in the street and then I might carry it in. Okay, we're not worried about this, that he tried to throw it and it lands on the street, because that's Miss Asik. Remember, you only have if it's what you plan to do. He planned to throw from one Rishus Ayochit to another Rishus Ayochit. So that would be, if it doesn't go there, it's Miss Asik. But when he goes, walks downstairs to the street and he picks up this khala, forgetting that it's Shabbos and carries it into his house, well, that's a shoygeik of Isudorai, so you'd have to bring a kobachatas. But either way, Rav, strictly speaking, Minadin Rav would agree. And if they on same level, it seems it would definitely be mutar to throw from one house to another. Omalei Rav Chizda, Rav Amnuna Rav Chizda said to Rav Amnuna, V'omri lo Rav Amnuna Rav Chizda, some said it was Rav Amnuna Rav Chizda, Minor Milset Omri Rabbanan kol pochas migimol kol lovodami. What's the source that for this principle of lovod, that if something's within less than three tvochim away from something, it's considered connected. So it's, He says, because it's impossible for, the, it's illogical, it's because it's impossible for the Rishus Arabim to be considered, uh, to be completely smooth, like it's been smoothed with a plane. I, there's always going to be ditches and furrows in the Rishus Arabim. I imagine especially when they had uh, wagons, heavy wagons going through muddy roads. So there's lots of ditches and furrows and mounds. So therefore, it's all within three Tfokim, it's all like on top of the road. It says, Well then, actually three Tfokim, not just less than three Tfokim, it also should be considered part of the road. Says, but two and further harder. It's not. What about that we learned? If someone's making the walls of the sukkah going downwards, if they end up higher, three tvochim higher than the ground, it's possible. But if they're within three tvochim, it's kosher. Now, but again, there, there's no, there's no concept of it resting on a mound, not resting on a mound. It's, does it reach the ground or not? So he says, no, hasam hainu time the reason mishum da havi alay mechitza shagdiyim boikim bo. If no, because if it's higher than three tfachim, a kid goat could just walk through, and therefore it's not really a mechitza, so it doesn't count as a wall of a sukkah. So he's tenach lamata. Okay, fine. You've answered me regarding a gap at the bottom of the sukkah wall. Lamala, but what about going upwards? My iklamema. What will you say? Rashi gives two examples, but I'll just give one. It brings you can actually make a wall for a sukkah with just three pieces of string. What do you do? You tie one string with just under three tvochim within the, of the ground, and then you tie another string above it. With just within three tvochim and another string above it, just within three tvochim, and then the roof within three tvochim of that. So what do you see going up? That's a mechitza that a goat could definitely get through. But going up, we also say 
if it's within three Tvachim, it's considered connected. So he says, This principle that we say anything within three Tvachim is considered connected, is actually a halacha moishimisinai. Okay, so what's the source for Lovud? It's not really logical why we should or should not say it. It's halacha moishimisinai that when you have something within three Tvachim, it's considered connected. And that's why all those opinions hold. If you throw something across Rishus Arabim within three Tvachim, even if you don't hold for the principle of kaluta, that it's considered contained in the airspace and it's as if it's put down, they will agree that if it's within three tfochim of the ground, it's kalovit, it's like it's connected to the ground, and therefore you'd be chayav. Rav Ushmul Domri Tavayu Loi Chayav Rebi Ela Birshus Sorry. Yotan Rabbonin Mirshus Hayochid Lirshus Hayochid Sorry, Mirshus Harabim Lirshus Harabim Vrishus Hayochid Be'emsa if someone throws, what happens if the reverse? This has all been discussing from a Rishus Up till now, we've been discussing throwing from a private domain to a private domain via a public domain. What happens if you throw Mishus Harabim, Rishus Harabim with a Rishus Hayochid in the middle? Rebbe Mechaev Vachachomim Paturim. Rebbe says you chayev and the Chachomim say you potur. Ravu Shmuel to Amri Tamayu, both Rav and Shmuel say lo chayev Rebbe, ela b'rishus hayochid makura. Rebbe only says you chayev if the Rishus Harabim has a roof. Domrinan basic command de maliadami, we view a house as if it's always full. Aye, so it's as if it's landed in the house. Aval she'ena makura lo, but if it's not, doesn't have a roof over it, you would not, Rebbe would not say you chayav. So this is very interesting. You're standing on one street. You're throwing it through a Rishus Harabim into another street. You would be potur, according to all opinions, because you haven't trans, it's just gone straight from Rishus Harabim to Rishus Ayochid, to Rishus Harabim, unless it passes through the house, through a roof, through a shed, because then it's as if it's landed in the Rishus Ayochid. Omar Abchana, Omar Abiyur, Omar Shmuel. Rav Khan has said in the name of Rabbi Yehud, in the name of Shmuel, Mechayev hoyo Rebbe Shtayim. Rebbe would actually say you're liable to two Koban Chattas. Achas Mishum Hatzav, Achas Mishum Hachnosa. One for Hatzah and one for Hachnosa. Why? Why are you liable to two? Because you threw from a public domain into a private domain. That's Hachnosa. And then you're liable to a second one when the ball carries on moving from the private domain into the public domain. Even though it's one throw, it's as if it's been put down in the house, in the roofed, that it passes through, it's as if it's been pushed down. So you've done two separate melachas. So it says, says, that can't be. You're telling me that Rebbe holds you higher for a told of a mokom av. It says, but Rebbe says, so, so, so what's our situation? Again, because remember, Hotzah is the av, and Hachnosa, bringing something from Rishus Arabim to Rishus Ayochid, is a tolda. Now, we're assuming that to say, for Rebbe to say, we brought in the name of Shmuel, that you have two Koban Chattas if you do this. If you throw it from Rishus Arabim via a roof Rishus Ayochid and it goes into the Rishus Arabim, you've done two, you have two Koban Chattas. We see very clearly that we're saying you have for an Av and a tolda in one lapse of awareness. He says, but that can't be. He says, Vahotanya, we learn to Bryce, a Rebbe, or a Rebbe says, Dvorim hadvorim ele hadvorim. Elu lamates melochos. But the fact that the Pasuk says dvorim, which implies two things, and hadvorim, that's adding a third thing. 
And then the, uh, the phrase starts, Eile Hadvarim, these are the things, and Eile is the gematria of 36. So if 36 plus 3, Eilu Lamates Melachas, these are the 39 Melachas said to Moshe Mesina. Oh, why does he have to tell us the 39 Melachas? Because he holds you only higher for the Avos, and not for the Toldos as well. So, 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 so we have a contradiction. This way of learning, we have a contradiction in the two teachings of Rebbe. The one t- or Shmuel in the name of Rebbe seemed to imply that you could be Chayav and Av and a Tolda. And this teaching of Rebbe seems to imply that you cannot be Chayav for an Av and its Tolda. So, Omalei Rav Yosef, Mar, Ahomasni, Lord Rebbe Ad Rebbe. Ah, you have this problem, this contradiction, because you learn who, it was, sorry, because you learn. Rav, Rav Chana Omar Yudamar Shmuel in regards to Rebbe. But Anan at the Rebbe Yehuda Masninan law, below Kashalon. We actually learn this on Rebbe Yehuda and therefore we don't have any question. Now we're going to show. So basically, what are we saying? You, this that you say, Rebbe, Rebbe was the one who said you're liable to two. You run into trouble. Does Rebbe actually hold that? Because you've got another source that Rebbe seems to hold that you're not liable to two Chatos if you do an Av and it's Tolta. But according to Rabbi Yudah, it's not a difficulty. The Tanya we learned in a Brisa. Mishus Hayochid Lirshus Harabim for over Arba Amos Brishus Harabim. What happens if someone threw something from Rishus Hayochid to Rishus Harabim and then it passed four Amos into the Rishus Harabim? I say he was throwing something out of his gate and it didn't stop right out of his gate, it carried on for another two meters. Rabbi Yehuda Machayev, the Chachomim Paturi in Poetry, and Rabbi Yehuda says, You Chayev and the Chachomim say, You Potur. Omar, Rabbi Yehuda, Omar Shmuel, Machayev, Rabbi Yehuda says the name of Shmuel, Machayev, Hoyo Rabbi Yehuda Shtayim, Achas Mishum Hatzava, Achas Mishum Havara. Havra. You Chayev to two, one for taking out from Rishus Ayochit to Rishus Arabim, and a second one for transporting this atom. Transferring his atom for Amos in the Rishus Harabim. The Isal Kadata Chada Huda Machayev, if you thought he's only. La- now, where, do we, where does Rabbi Yehuda get this? That you, where does Rabbi Yehuda get this? That you have two? That it must be that you have two? The Isal Kadata Chada Huda Machayev, if you thought you're only liable to one. Michlal Drabonim Potri Legamri. It implies that Rabbonin say you're completely exempt. But at the end of the day, he took it out from Rishus Ayochi to Rishus Arabim. So he's working backwards to say this. He's saying, what's the case here again? You've got this person who threw something out his front door, out his, out, out his gate. And it goes into the street and it goes another four Amos. Now, why would the rabbis hold you completely exempt? They must hold you at least Chayev. For moving something from Rishus Hayochid to Rishus Harabim. So when Rabbi, so when the rabbis say you potter and Rabbi Yehuda says you chayev, must be the rabbis are saying you potter from one of those acts, and Rabbi Yehuda is saying you chayev for both of the acts. Again, the two separate, the two acts we're saying they are here is the one is transporting it. Um, from, from the private domain to the public domain, 
So the two malachas under discussion are one is moving it from Rishus HaYochid to Rishus HaRabim. And the second one is transporting it for Amos, throwing it for Amos in the Rishus HaRabim. So when the rabbis say potter, they can't mean completely potter. Because then they would say, you're not chayev for transporting it from Rishus HaYochid to Rishus HaRabim. Obviously you are. So when Rabbi Yudah says you chayev, must be you liable for two. And once we say Rabbi Yudah says you're liable for two, will throw moving something for Amos in a Rishus HaRabim is a tolda of hotzah, a tolda of carrying. So we see that Rabbi Yehuda, according to this way of learning, Rabbi Yehuda holds you liable to a chattas for the av and the tolda. Whereas Rabbonin would hold, no, you can't be liable to an av and a tolda. Now basically, the, most of, uh, the rest of the page is going to be to try to determine that what does Rebbe hold regarding this principle. Again, we've always, we kind of take for granted, but that is, it's, it's a machloikes, it's a noim. If, why they're 30, why do we mention they're 39 malachas? This we learned yesterday. To say that if you transgress each of the 39 malachas, you can be liable to 39 korban chatois. And we added yesterday, we mentioned that, however, if you do an av, two, two avs, or two different tolders, yes, you're liable to two separate common chattas. However, if you do an av and its tolder, you'd only be liable to one. And that's Rabbonin here. But there is another Tana there, slipped my mind his name, I think it was Rabbi Eliezer, but I don't remember, who said that you have you are chayav to an av and a tolder. And now we're saying that Rabbi Yehuda also holds that. And the rest of the Amud is going to be trying to disprove that notion. We're not going to actually disprove. We're not going to really prove either way. But we can stand with this notion. It says, now Mimai, who says that's a good proof? Maybe Rabbi Yehuda is only saying you chayav to one and the Rabbonin completely exempt you. Now remember, we were troubled. Why would the rabbis completely exempt you? You threw this ball outside the gate of your house. And it went for, you should at least be higher for one Avera of Rishul Sayochet to Rishul Sarabim. Why? He says, no, what's the case? It's where he said, I wanted to, I'm trying to throw this, that it rests just in, as it hits, as it goes into the Rishul Sarabim. Rebuda says, we say kluta as if it's been put down and therefore he carried out what he wanted to do. And the Rabbonin say, And he didn't actually get to do what he wants. Again, I'm just imagining my mind, so he's got a little piece of rubbish. He wants to throw it out of his house on Shabbos and he'll do with it out of Motei Shabbos. So he doesn't want to throw it all the way into the middle of the street. He wants to throw it just outside his gate. So maybe I shouldn't use the example of rubbish because that might be a malacha shein trichelagufa. It's not that he wants to move the... But that, no, he wants to move it to another place. So he threw it. But his intent is to throw it that it lands just outside his front door. Now according, if you hold Kluta, then even though it carries on moving much further past four Amos into the Rishus Arabim, Kluta means as soon as it hits the airspace of the public domain, it's as if it's been put down. So he would be liable. It, he did what he wanted to do because of Kluta. Whereas according to the Rabbonin, they say, don't hold for Kluta. So what did he do? He threw this ball. He wanted it to land just outside his front door. And where did it actually land? Two meters further, further away. That's not what he wanted to do. So he'd be potu.
אבל התולדה במקום אב לא מחייב רבי יהודה. But maybe Rabbi Yehuda would not hold you chayav for a tolda b'makom av. This is lo sakadaitach. Don't think that Rabbi Yehuda holds you not chayav for a tolda b'makom av. The Tanya, Rabbi Yehuda, Moisif, Av HaShoyvet, Vahamedaktek. Rabbi Yehuda adds to the list of melachos a shoyvet and medaktek. They're two different processes in the loom. Shoyvet is uh, lining up the warp and medaktek is evening out the roof. Now, Omrulai Shoveit Hareu Bechlal Mesach, the rabbi said to Rabbi Yehuda, no, Shoveit is included in Mesach, that's stretching the thread over the loom, and Medaktek Hareu Bechlal Oreg, and Medaktek is included, is a told of weaving. Now, my love, Da'avdinu Letarvayu Ba'adari Adari, it must be the discussion is where you did both of them. So, one person did Shoveit, um, yeah, did both of them. Shmamina. Together, Shmamina, Mechayef for your Rabbi Yehuda, told him b'makomav. We see that Rabbi Yehuda holds you liable for a told him b'makomav. But the fact that Rabbi Yehuda says you chayev on shoveit, you'd be chayev on shoveit and meisach, and the Rabbanon saying no, you're not. You'd only be chayev. It's a tolda. Must be Rabbi Yehuda saying you chayev two for doing an av and a tolda, and Rabbanon would hold no, you chayev only one. So what you, again, so we see that Rabbi Yehuda does hold for this principle, well, he holds that you are hard for a tolda b'mokom av. So it's mima, you can't bring a proof from there. He did each one independently. And Rabbi Yehuda holds you're not chayav for a tolda b'mokom av. You're not chayav. And they're arguing in the following. The Rebbe Yudas Sovar Hani Avois Ninu. The Rabban and Sovri Hani Toldos Ninu. Rebbe Yudas holding they're actually Avos. And Rabban are holding that they're Toldos. How many Avos are there? So that's uh, we've touched on it a few times. It's a bit of a discussion how many Avos there are or how to number the Avos. What's an Av and what's a Tolda. So Rebbe Yudas saying that Shoivet and Medaktaik are additional Avos. Not that they're told us that you hire for, they're additional avos. And Rabbanu would say, no, they're not avos, they told us. And Taylor, I'll prove to you that, that from the language that that's the case. Diktani, as it's taught, Rabbi Yehuda Moisif, Rabbi Yehuda adds. Now, Iyomar Bishleima avos, my Moisif, Moisif avos. Eloyim, I told them, my Moisif. If you want to tell me that they're actually avos, Rabbi Yehuda is saying, add these two to the list of avos. Add Moisif, Shovet, and Medaktek. But if you want to say that he's speaking about toldos, then the language of add these two, add them to what? We never discuss how many toldos there are. So what you're adding the list of toldos to? So it must be Rabbi Yehuda is learning them as Avos. So we don't have a proof. And itmar nami rabbi Rabbi Yosef to Omri Tarvayo lo Rabbi Yehuda ela achas. And Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef actually say, Rabbi Yehuda holds you only chav to one. This is going back at the top of the page, the case there. So it seems to come out, it's a machloikes amorayim regarding Rabbi Yehuda. Does he hold, if you do an av and it's tolda, you plant a seed and you water it, and then you realize, oh wait, it's Shabbos, I shouldn't have done that. It's a machloikes whether Rabbi Yehuda would hold you only chav to one, because you did the av and it's tolda, or are you chav to two? So a few more lines. Omalei Ravina Ravashi, Ravina said to Ravashi, this that you initially thought that Rabbi Yehuda holds you chayev. Two. Again, the case was you threw something out of your house and it went four amos in Rishus Arabim. 
Rabbi Yehuda holds you chayev for Hotzah, going from Rishus Hayochi to Rishus Harabim, and you chayev a second chattas for it going for Amos in Rishus Harabim. If he wanted it to land just outside his house, well then he didn't want it to travel for Amos. And if he wanted it to go to travel for Amos, well he didn't want it to land just outside his house. Sorry, if he wanted it to land just outside his house, well then he didn't intend it to go there for Amos. And if he did intend to travel it for Amos, still only one melacha. How do you ever get a case that is liable for these two melachas? So Amalei ba'omer kol makom shetirza tonuach. He says, "I'm happy wherever wherever it lands." Okay, what he's saying is, what would I think the the pshat of this, and it will become a bit clearer from the next piece, but I think we'll leave it for tomorrow. The, the next piece is that if he plans at throwing it far into Rosh Hashanah, he's throwing this ball from his house far into Rosh Hashanah. He's definitely only high of when it lands. So therefore, he's only done one melacha. Or if he wanted to land as soon as it left his Rishus Hayochid, then this that it traveled for Amos is totally not what he intended, and therefore he wouldn't be Chayav Achatas for it. So how do you get a case according to Rabbi that he is actually Chayav too? So the answer that he gives is no. He's throwing this ball, this thing, out of his house, saying wherever it lands, it lands. Therefore, he doesn't. Therefore. If it lands just outside his house, which is Kluta, that's fine. And then it travels another for Amos and comes to rest. That's another Hanukkah, second Hanukkah. So therefore he would be liable to two. Okay, and we'll leave it there and we'll carry on with this discussion tomorrow.